gentlemen and welcome to the 411 from 406 my name is chewy and i'm joined once again by my brother from another mother mr pip how are you sir i'm doing fantastic i'm where i love to be i've got my headphones on i got my microphone in front of me i've got my gin just off to the side and i'm ready to podcast man how are you awesome i'm good i'm good it's uh it's been a while i know uh well we got some spring breaks looming and and, and present and um yes. And I, so, unfortunately, that means that we we have an, another year of of WrestleMania where we won't be together. Um, are, are we going? Are you? Do you know? I don't want to put you on the spot. Are you going to be able to uh, zoom in and watch it with us the way you did last year? Do you know? I'm I'm not sure. Maybe yeah. I, if I can, hopefully one of the nights for sure. Okay. I, I plan to be watching both nights, but that will be the first night and second night of my spring break. So I'm not yeah. entirely sure. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't Saturday isn't that March Madness too isn't that the final four it probably is so that's this weekend yes it would be yeah so that obviously puts a bit of a twist in it but I I do plan to watch um, you know we're going to uh, going to the Gulf Coast in Florida with some friends and some family so I'm looking forward to the opportunity of getting to watch this I had to kind of sell it to my wife a little bit and say hey look well we watched it last year so it's yeah. not that big of a surprise but I'm I'm trying to gather a few of the people that we're going down there with to come over be like hey let's uh let's have some drinks and get stupid and and watch some really <laughs> cheesy television and I'm hopeful I can I can recruit some people and we'll be able to do that. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I know we're going to talk a lot about it on the next podcast. Yeah. So don't want to get too far into it now. But there's a lot of great matches lined up. I'm looking forward to it. They pulled out all the stops last year. I expect that to escalate even more this year, and it should be a great time. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. And, and again, we can we can save the mania talk for for after. Um, I will say. I am in the process of of setting up our um, our spreadsheet, so we will have our betting, we will have our confidence pool that will return. Um, I, I have one request for you. I would like a picture when you get a moment of where John Cena currently sits, so that <laughs> okay. uh, so that so that you so that when he comes back to Ohio, you can remember him fondly. You mean where he's <laughs> going to continue to sit for the next year? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I will. Okay. I will be happy to send that to you. I'm, I'm looking cool. forward to uh, attempting to retain Roman Reigns style uh, my yeah. my championship trophy. Good, good. Well, yeah. In, in all sincerity, best of luck. I, 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 I will have to say. I do have to say. Um, I really have enjoyed the way that that has kind of morphed over the years. I really enjoy yes. the way we're the way we're doing it now. Um, it, it, it kind of adds another level. It's especially since as the um and i hate to say this but as the importance of the pyramid declines right yes you know what i mean like um th- that has kind of come in at least for me and has kind of taken over and replaced some of that enjoyment um you know w- yeah. w- when we're not drinking 30 beers in a night right um, yeah and maybe so. we can do a little history uh, an, an uh audio history of the pyramid on the next for sure 
show when we do a recap of WrestleMania and kind of talk about why this is so important to us, why we gush over this shit all the time yeah. and why we always whine like little bitches every time we're reminded that we can't we get together yeah. for WrestleMania yeah. because it really is important. It's been something that we've done since before I even knew my wife. And so, yeah. you know, I have to kind of gently remind her, hey, this is a tradition that we have instilled many, many, many years ago. And so, yeah, as we as we sort of pull back on some of our old habits, we've created some some new fun ones. And I'm I'm just I'm excited to do it again. Yeah. So that's so that's a little teaser for the next episode. So uh, with that out of the way, uh, what are we talking about tonight, sir? What do you got on tap? So, of course, like always, I re-listened to our last episode and we touched a bit on uh, Scream 6. That's kind of how we ended off the last episode. and. Much to my own personal surprise, I found myself in a situation where I was able to go see a movie one night without having to worry about any other commitments, and I I ended up going to see this movie, and I thought after I had seen it, I'm like, you know, we've talked a little bit about it, but very, very little to this point. We have not really unveiled our feelings about this movie, and, you know, I guess maybe just to kind of jump full force into it, I... I had very, very low expectations for this movie because for me, this is the sixth movie in the Scream franchise. And it certainly had a maybe an aura about it that maybe this was going to be a direct to DVD kind of story, you know, where it's, oh, we're taking it to, you know, <laughs> we're taking it to New York, which is obviously very reminiscent, an obvious nod to Friday the 13th when they, probably when they jumped the shark or probably after they jumped the shark, but jumped it even further and, and took Jason to Manhattan. And of course the, the big thing was, is that Nev Campbell did not return for this movie. There was some pretty notable contract disputes and she wasn't happy with the money that they paid her. And and I could certainly understand that as an actress, I, I certainly feel like she deserves her due there, especially one that has front lined this franchise uh, for the last Gee, since 1996, right? So, um, so I wasn't, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this movie. But as soon as it was done, I knew it was something that we needed to talk about. And I was glad that I was able to push you to get your ass back into a movie theater because I think the last movie that you said that you saw on the previous podcast was Scream Five, if I'm not mistaken. Is that yes, right? It was in in the theaters. That was the yeah. I've certainly seen you know uh, again in the era. Yeah, I'll call it in the pandemic era, right? There's a lot of new releases that go directly to home video in some way, shape, or form. So I've certainly seen quite a few movies in that time. But yeah, Scream, Scream Five was the was the last uh, in the theater movie that I saw, which was what about a year ago. Yeah, and and it's probably worth like doing just a you know a bit of a recap on Scream because I think Scream, especially to guys like you and me. It was an incredibly important franchise when it came out back at the end of '96. I mean, this movie was huge for for me personally i can say it was sort of the way that west creve what it is the way that west craven sort of rebooted or revitalized the slasher horror genre because by the mid 90s that stuff was all dying right all of our favorite super slasher heroes from the 80s jason Voorhees, pinhead michael myers 
Freddy Krueger, all of them were sort of really long in the tooth by that point. They were making sequels that people were not going to see in the movies for the most part. You and I were still there, but lots of people were not going. And and the heyday of the slasher movies, especially the goofy supernatural ones like the ones I mentioned, were kind of behind us at that point. And this movie, this relatively low budget movie called Scream, uh, headlined by Wes Craven, who obviously did Nightmare on Elm Street, comes out at the end of 96 and absolutely just floors us. Like none of us saw this coming. And it was revolutionary to the horror genre at that time. And I think it really just absolutely exploded and made people want more of the slasher genre. But you know, that's that's what I took from it. What what were what were your thoughts? Do you remember? I mean, again, this was this was a very long time ago. But do you remember maybe not what you thought after you saw it, but the impact that it had on you and, and your horror movie fandom? You're talking about Scream 1996? Yes, the first one. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I was blown away by that film. Um, th- that that flick. um and I don't, I do not remember when I saw it. Um, we were in college when it came out. Um, so it, it's entirely possible that we saw that movie together. I, I, if I'm being well, honest, I just, yeah, I just don't remember, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, you, I think you, you said it perfectly. The, the slasher genre specifically, and I guess I'll call that a sub genre of horror really was kind of dead at this point. Um, and especially, what I would consider a smart horror film, which, which the scream series really is. Um, It's the first one that I can remember that was um, meta. I suppose maybe you can put um, new nightmare in, in that same category in terms of a meta horror movie. Oh yeah. Um, But, um, but yeah, I mean, this one, you know, it's tough to say it. We it it, um, it revolutionized the genre, but I but I it certainly revitalized it. And um, I've been a I've been a big fan of the Scream franchise, with with maybe one exception, um, pretty much throughout the entire run. Um, what what do you remember? So this one, Scream Six, is about a year after Scream Five, and I don't know that we. I don't remember. Did you enjoy? I don't think you enjoyed it as much as I did. If I remember correctly, correctly. Is that, is that right? I definitely liked the movie. I would say much like scream four, it didn't really leave a lasting impression. And I I have some theories on why that is. And and I think we'll get to that as we kind of talk about scream six, but yeah, I mean, the first movie itself was so wonderful because it was very satirical in the way that it handled Mm -hmm. slasher movies because they basically spent the entirety of that movie making fun of slasher movies while being a slasher movie so you know you said the word meta obviously in 1996 you know the word meta didn't really exist in the common vernacular so it, it was way ahead of its time in what it was doing but in making fun of itself it really just sort of helped all of us you know, lighten up about all of those movies. And I think that it really helped to, I mean, green light. There were more movies after that. I mean, Halloween came back, Nightmare on Elm Street came back. Everything sort of had an extra breath or two of life after that first movie came out. 
and and you know the subsequent movies we can certainly talk about those at least on a high level you know and and, and their impact you know i i think they they definitely have trouble living up to the first one but mm-hmm. of course the first one has the benefit of being the first one right like we've never seen that before we have no comparison point with the one that came out so many years ago and uh you know the the, the other ones came out but to, i guess to, to go back and answer your question yeah scream 4 was was good i liked it but after you know that came out in gosh that came out in 2011 so that was a long time ago at this point and the fifth scream movie is that right that can't be right it yeah well, maybe it is i'm, I'm looking yeah, at, a- at a web page and i'm just like wow 2011 and then it was 11 years until scream five came out yep and and both of those movies are very similar in my mind is that they were fine they were serviceable they both had sort of phone-in performances i think by some of the returning cast members and for the most part like they were they were okay like they were decent movies but they didn't move the needle and they didn't they didn't really do much to breathe new air into the franchise. And that was my biggest concern coming into this sixth movie is, but do I care? Like, are we just going to repeat the same beats over and over and over again? Yeah. I, I I think, you know, looking at this, this is pretty fascinating and I've actually never looked at it. If you look at the dates of the scream franchise to date, you've got, Scream was in 1996, which again, we, we touched on and it really kind of revel, re, revitalized the horror genre. Then it's followed the next year by Scream 2 in 1997. Then they go all the way into three, you know, three years until 2000 for Scream 3. Then they go 11 years until Scream 4. Then they go another 11 years until Scream 5. And then they're back to back, you know, one year later with Scream 6, yeah. um, which again, it, you know, it's just interesting to see um, one of the things that I've always, that I've always found pretty fascinating about this genre that this franchise um, again, it's, it's speaking about the horror genre. The first film is, was again, revolutionary, very meta. The second, t- the second film talks about being a sequel the third film talks about being a trilogy. The fourth film talks, you know, and, and it's, 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 it's very, um, it, it's following a very, um, a pattern and it's always talking about the reality of the film that they're making while they're showing you the film, which I, which I, again, right. I, I think is just, is it, is a testament to the writers. Um, Cause again, it hasn't been the same writer the whole time. It's, you know, Kevin Williamson at the beginning and then, uh, you know, kind of different writing teams throughout. Um, but it's just a testament to all of those different writing teams that they continue to be able to have that edge, that meta edge, um, while, while telling, again, for the most part, throughout the franchise, pretty pretty uh, entertaining stories, in my opinion. You, you know, you make an interesting point there. I, I didn't. I didn't realize sort of the gaps between all the movies, like the the gaps between three and four. That makes a little more sense because you know, after three, there was no reason to make another one, but they decided to do that. I really honestly completely forgot that they took 11 years to make the fifth movie. But it's interesting that we see the sixth movie come out a year and a couple months after the fifth movie, because that's another thing that sort of screamed to me. Because I remember when I, no pun intended, screaming me. Uh, I remember when I saw the fifth one, it was almost immediately after that movie came out. They said, yep, there's Scream 6. It's coming. And we've already got a couple people confirmed for it. 
And that actually made me more nervous. Like, it's one thing when you do that after the original Scream movie because it's mm-hmm. a huge success and nobody saw it coming and it made a shit ton of money. Uh, I mean, not on opening weekend, but I mean, the, the budget was like $15 million and it made 173 worldwide. So like they did well. So yeah, of course they, they put another one on the, on the, on the schedule, on the calendar and they get something churned out. But it's interesting to me that they, they put another one out so quickly after the fifth one. And that almost meant to me, oh, geez, like maybe this isn't going to be very good because if they're not going to take their time to make it, if there's not maybe I'm on the star Wars Marvel plan or whatever. I'm like, if there's not three years before, you know, between movies, then something How good must can not it be? be right. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, there's something, but I mean, we're going to talk about it, but it's, it's an interesting sort of dynamic that we, that we stumbled upon between this fifth movie and the sixth movie, I think. Yeah. Um. So, so let's see, I, I have, uh, I have some questions that I kind of jotted down um, and, and I do want to go through kind of a, a high level plot summary, I guess, be, before, before I go into a summary, um, you touched on it already once, um, before we even talk about this movie, my first question is, did you miss Nev Campbell as okay, you were so watching Scream 6? Before I answer that, I'm going to yeah. have to do the prerequisite spoiler alert that we, if you haven't figured it out by now, we're here to talk about Scream 6. We're going to yes. we're going to spill all the details. If you haven't heard, if you haven't watched that movie yet, turn this off or at least pause it, maybe come back to us because we need the 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 listenership. But um, push the pause button, go see the movie, come back. Love to know who agrees with us, who thinks we're full of shit. But, you know, spoiler alert. It, you have been warned. Um, but to your question, did I miss Nev Campbell? It's interesting because before I saw this movie, I thought that Nev Campbell not being in this was an immediate kiss of death. I thought, well, crap, straight to DVD. That, that, might, as be, that might as well be what this is. And I watched this movie and I honestly did not think of her at all. I did not miss Nev Campbell at all, especially after her scream five performance if i'm if i'm being honest i like nev campbell i don't want to dog on her but i don't think she wanted to be there for scream five it didn't really feel like they found a good enough vehicle for her character in that movie and i think we're i think we're at a bit of a shit or get off the pot you know scenario with nev campbell like we either have to kill her or we'd have to leave her out and in this movie they decided to leave her out and i think it was a absolutely stellar decision to do that and it worked for me i i thought it was great but what about you i I couldn't agree more um i didn't miss her at all there was literally one dropped line i think in the middle of the movie or kind of towards the beginning of the movie where they mentioned sydney and if that line wasn't even there, it wouldn't have bothered me at all. I, I, I yeah, I, I did. I didn't miss her at all. Um, I, I had a fleeting thought before I saw the movie. I said, wouldn't it be cool if somehow she was the killer? Right. You know, and they, and they just, all of these stories about her not being in the movie. were just, a, we're just a fake out. Um, but, but beyond that, I didn't think of our, I, I didn't consider her throughout the film. And, I think as you'll see, as I talk about this movie, I really enjoyed the cast that they do have. And no, I did not miss her at all. Not at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I've, 
I've certainly romanticized the idea of making her the killer throughout the last two or three movies, at least. And I think they've made their decision. They're not going to do that. And that's fine. I, I think at this point, it would be very contrived if they did. But I will say, and we'll get to it as we get to the end, because I know we want to talk a little bit about what we think Scream 7 is going to be, because that has already been officially greenlit. They are making Scream 7. I, it'll be interesting. I do think they should bring her back. I don't think this should be her permanent exit. I think they should bring her back and put a definitive end to her story in the next movie. No matter what that is, they need to, they need to, you know, be done with that. But no, for this movie, I did not miss her. And I actually thought it was a breath of fresh air. And it sort of, it sort of leads into a conversation that I do want to have with you about this movie. In terms of, and it doesn't have to be now, we can get to it later because I don't want to interrupt the rest of your questions, but I want to get back to what your feelings are about this movie not being in Woodsboro, because that was a big departure from the previous five movies, and I have very strong thoughts about that, and I want to know where you are with that, so if that's not your next question, let's make sure we come back to that because I want to chat about that. No, that's that, that's fine. Um, we, we could certainly talk about it now. That, that That's not a problem. Um I'll be honest with you. Um, initially, I kind of missed Woodsboro, but as this movie played out, um, it, it didn't. It didn't bother me. Um, I thought they were able to do some things with with New York City as the backdrop that they could not have done in Woodsboro. Um, you know, specifically scenes like the subway scenes, specifically things like the. There's a scene um, kind of early in the film that I think was in a lot of the trailers, the kind of the the convenience store bodega scene where they go in and and Ghostface kind of, um, you know, kills a guy and, and takes some people out. Um, you, you know, there's a really good scene kind of with a ladder in between two buildings that I don't think they necessarily could have done. Um, I think the opening kill scene, I think, is great. Yes. And I don't awesome. think you could do it. You know, you couldn't do yes. it in Woodsboro. Let's get back um, to that, too, because I yeah, want to yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So, so, um, no, I, I think, I think moving it out of Woodsboro actually was a good thing in the end. Not only do I think it was a good thing, I think it's one of the best things that they did about this movie. And and that it sounds really goofy because again, it was the one thing that I'm like, that's, what's going to tank this movie. That was my disposition going into seeing this. But when I saw what they did with it, I'm like, Oh no, it actually made all the difference in the world because if we just stuck, this story in Woodsboro with no Nev Campbell, it would have felt so stale. It would have felt like, God, we've done this how many times. And, you know, there are definitely some other gripes and some other issues that I have with this movie and the story. But I will say that the fresh start in New York, which obviously actually wasn't New York. It was filmed in Canada, but it, you know, it the big city aspect of what they did and being on a college campus and all of that stuff, I really do think it made it feel uh, suspenseful and, and still like a Scream movie without being a, a complete pivot from what they've done in the past. Or, or I guess it is kind of a pivot, but not a bad one. And I really don't know if I can explain why I like that part of it so much, but I did a total 180 on that. I actually thought that was the greatest part about this movie. They made it work. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So we'll, we'll go into, uh, um, 
again, we're not going to do kind of a deep dive on this the way we've done in, in the past, but I do have, again, I've got the Wikipedia plot summary, so I'll just kind of read it and we'll just kind of go a little bit by a little bit. Yeah. Um, so basically, th- this is a year after the Woodsboro killings from the previous film um, orchestrated by Richie and Amber, um, which candidly, if I'm being honest, I didn't remember their names, but it doesn't really matter. Um, so they're now on the, the campus of Blackmore University and and the opening kill that we already alluded to. We see um good looking blonde gal sitting in a bar waiting for what is clearly a blind date or somebody that she's been talking to on social media or what have you. Um, long story short, uh, she gets lured outside um, and she gets killed by a guy wearing a ghost face mask. Now the, the, the twist here is Ghostface takes off his mask and we're like, Oh, I don't know about you. I was like, Oh shit. Like, are we going to go yeah. this entire movie knowing who Ghostface is? Um, the the twist here is we see that this ghost face uh, is working with his, I guess his roommate and they are trying to replicate the movie that Richie was trying to tell in scream five uh, long story short, Richie or uh, his roommate ends up in the freezer chopped to bits and the quote unquote real ghost face comes and kills this original one that we saw. And we kind of go into the credit scene the, the, it did not do it justice at all. This opening scene is phenomenal. It's outstanding. It's honestly one of my favorite ones of the whole series. Other than the one, which one was it? Maybe the fourth one that had all the fake outs at the beginning. I thought that was, uh, that one was probably my honest to God favorite. Well, I mean, not, not better than true. Yeah. No, no, not better than true. Drew, I'm a Gen Xer. Like Drew's my favorite, but I thought this was incredibly creative. The, the not Margot Robbie girl at the beginning, uh, her name was Samara Weaving. She's actually the daughter of Hugo Weaving, uh, but she is a very, very attractive uh, Australian blonde girl who finds her way into an alley and gets killed. And I, I thought it was, uh, yeah, when he took off his mask, I thought the same thing. I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to take a very different direction. We're going to know who Ghostface is. And I don't think if somebody would have explained that to me before the movie, I would have been like, no, I hate that. I don't like that idea at all. But the way that they took it was was really it was really interesting because obviously he goes back to his apartment. You find out that it sort of sets up the story that we're going to get to about the the props and the 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 murder weapons from the previous movies and things like that. But this guy who I don't know if you recognized him or not, he was the actor that played Flash Thompson in this in the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. And I believe he was in the Grand Budapest Hotel movie as well. But he uh, he, he played a very convincing killer in that scene. And he did great. His name, by the way, was Jason. I don't know if you caught that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I was the same way. I was like, OK, the, the, the scene itself was sort of like whatever this this really hot Australian girl plays a teacher who teaches move who teaches a class on slasher movies. I'm like, all right, whatever. Like, sorry, I missed that class for sure. Right. But you know, the whole thing was a little bit contrived and goofy, but when he unmasked in the beginning, I'm like, all right, cool. Like they're doing something different with this. And that caught my attention almost immediately. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, so Jason's roommate, uh, his name was Greg. And he was, so he was the one that was in the refrigerator was Greg. Um, And, and, and the, the other cool thing that they did was um, back in their apartment. um, 
you could see very quickly that he was either a copycat killer or a certainly a huge fan of the 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 original Ghostface. You know, so this is not um, a fan of the stab movies that have been contained. You know, movie within a movie. This was a fan of the actual Billy Loomis's and Stu Mocker. You know, those kind of things. So, um, which again, I thought I thought was kind of a a, a nice twist. Yeah. Um, so again, we, we get into it and now Sam and Tara, uh, which again are, are kind of the gals from the previous movie, they're now living in New York City. They attend a college with their fellow survivors, Chad and Mindy Meeks, which if you recall are Randy Meeks's niece and nephew. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also roommates. They've got Quinn. They've got Mindy's girlfriend, Annika, and Chad's roommate, Ethan. These names really mean almost nothing. I didn't yeah. catch them like the first couple times through with sure. the exception of of Chad and Mindy. Um, so the, we get a really cool scene here. Sam is actually um, attending therapy with a doctor. Essentially there's been this story going around that she was actually the killer in scream five and that she uh, essentially set up Richie and made it look like he was actually the killer. So there's this kind of, there's this, social media thing at play here. There's the the concept of cancellation. They touch on a little bit, the concept of kind of being ostracized and those kind of things. Um, the doctor gets killed by Ghostface, And then um, uh, essentially Ghostface kind of comes back into their lives. And we, we go and we see that scene in the bodega where there's a shotgun introduced, which is new for Ghostface. That's a great um, scene it's an outstanding scene. It's full of suspense and it's, and it's a different kind of suspense than we've had in the previous scream franchise. Yeah. I think the, I think one of the things that is really cool to me is they're setting up and I don't know if they're doing it intentionally. I think they almost have to be this idea that Ghostface could be anywhere and they're in the big city and it could be anybody at any time. And they're not really safe even when they're amongst other people, right? Whereas yeah. in, in the Woodsboro films, if they're not alone, they're, they're safe, right? That's not the case here in this big city. In fact, like when they walk into this bodega, it's full of people, right? Yeah. And Ghostface yeah, yeah. just doesn't care. He just takes, he just takes out everybody. So I don't know. I, I, I thought that scene was amazing too. So like we're a half hour into this movie and I'm absolutely loving everything that I've got so far. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, so my, my commentary about New York being the backdrop for this movie is just like, like you hit the nail right on the head. Like anybody could be the killer. Anybody's a suspect and and it, the stakes seem higher because there's nowhere they can go where they're not surrounded by a ton of people and anything could happen. So I, I love that. A couple of things that I really loved about this scene. I thought it was incredibly intense. I thought it was very well done. I heard some scuttlebutt over the internet about people having issues with Ghostface having a shotgun, which I thought was the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. Like, people are like, Ghostface wouldn't use a shotgun, he only uses a knife or whatever, but who cares? Like, I, it was it was cool, it was intense, like, I was trying to, I was placing myself in that situation, and I felt like that store was very, very tiny. And they were trying to work their way around those aisles. And I, I just, I loved what they did. And it was in that scene that I first noticed. And I, I have to think and, and hope that you picked up on this too. But did you notice that Ghostface's mask was different 
in the sense that it was dirtier, like it was it was gritty. Like in in previous movies, it looks like somebody bought that mask off of a shelf and they put it right on. They went to it. But it reminded me a lot of Michael Myers and the new yeah. Halloween movies because his mask is the same mask that he uses through Halloween, Halloween kills and Halloween ends. And of course, it degrades and gets dirtier and gets over torn time. up over time. And obviously, that was, I think, a nod to that. It, not that it was the same mask, but just it was it was trying to emulate something that I, I think that giving it that weathered look was really effective in a in a weird way that I, I can't really un- ex- explain or describe why. No, I, I, I absolutely did pick up on it. Um, and I agree. I thought it was awesome. And I think you're absolutely right. It absolutely has to be a nod to the 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 halloween the 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 requels you know this this trilogy that is just done um let's let's come back to that because we learned some stuff about the masks later that actually i think um i actually uh, have problems with that but so do i so let's come yeah so let's let's come back to that but but I, i agree the the look of the mask here i think is amazing whether or not i agree with kind of how they did it especially some stuff we learned later in the film so um so again there there's a lot of like in the in the wikipedia plot somewhere there's a lot of stuff here that just doesn't for the purposes of this discussion doesn't matter basically we we get kirby reed back who was a a a survivor of scream four uh played by uh, hayden pantieri um we also gail weathers is back this is where we yep. get the drop line of Sydney Prescott. Essentially, she's in hiding in in response yep. to the to the to the latest attacks. Cool story. Um, it is, yeah. Um, so again, we we get a couple other killings here. Um, so Sam has a boyfriend who is across the way. Uh, think about uh, you know, in Friends, how the friends would always be looking across the alleyway at, at the you know the hot guy <laughs> or hot girl and the other yeah. S- same concept. And basically she hasn't told any of her roommates or her sister that she's dating this guy. I don't know if that's because she wants to keep it a secret or if she's worried or, you know, has trust issues or what have you. Um, So again, we get, um, we we get another killing and Ghostface leaves behind another mask again. And and here's where it it, kind of starts to take the turn and we and the DNA that is on these masks is of previous ghost face killers. Um, let, let me. Uh, I'm going to ask you another one of the, my questions that I had before I before I started the, the plot summary. And you don't have to give it away. Did you did you figure this out? Did you figure out like the who done it of of Scream Six? No, I didn't. I, okay. I don't okay. think there was a practical way to figure it out. I mean, I think anybody could have guessed on accident, but I think they could have, you know, in an alternate ending sort of scenario, mapped out other killers that just, you know, like there was no dead giveaway, in my opinion, personally. Now, granted, I only saw the movie once, and I'm not very good on first viewings with movies. Like, I need a couple to to really understand you know, the, some of those details, but no, I did not figure it out. Okay. Okay. Fair. Um, so, so in, in this section of the movie, um, I mentioned Gail Weathers, Gail Weathers gets attacked by Ghostface, and, and her boyfriend gets killed. 
and Gail narrowly escapes with with her encounter with Ghostface at this time. This is one of my big issues with this film. Um, Not necessarily Gail, but there are several times. In fact, I I even put in my notes, knives don't kill people. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Right. There are several times in this movie where people will get a knife through the gut and twisted and ripped and up and down and they don't die. Yeah. I I don't know. I get, I've never been stabbed, knock on wood. Hopefully I never do, but some of the stuff that they show and especially like the sounds that are, that accompany that stuff to me, those are, those are death blows and they're just not. And I, and that kind of bummed me out a little bit. Yeah, well, I think that the reason for that is because they have been death blows in previous movies, and now it seems like everybody is wearing some kind of a protective vest or shield or something, and everyone can take a few extra hits, and that's just not terribly practical. I actually had the exact same notes in front of me, uh, said something along the lines of, how many times can one be stabbed before actually dying? Because we've got uh, we've got Gale, who... We should come back to that because I think that they wanted to kill her and then maybe pivoted at the end and said, ah, shit, maybe we should keep her one more time. And then we've got the uh, I I don't do very good with the names, but Randy's niece, you know, the the girl in the subway. Yep. Yep. yep, She got stabbed pretty hardcore. Like I was sure she was gone. Yep. To the point where it was like, what? And then her brother at the end. Oh, it was that was that's the worst one. That's the like, worst one. He was being held and just like stuck like a pig. And uh, like he didn't die like that was terrible. Like that was another one where it felt like now they wanted to kill him and then they rewrote it at the end. And I was I was I didn't like that. I was frustrated with that. They should have been so, a little bit more brave. And yeah. Just killed one of those characters. So I, I'm going. I'm going to fast forward over a lot of the plot, and yeah. because again, it's like or we'll we're not bounce do around. Yeah, yeah. So the coolest set piece of this film, by far, for me, uh, Kirby, who again at this point is an FBI agent. Oh, we'll I am get to an that. FBI. I am an FBI <laughs> agent. Right? Sound um, like yeah. Right. Um, she leads them actually was it her or was it gail i don't even remember which one of them finds this um abandoned theater that ghostface has taken over and he essentially has made it into a shrine of all the ghostface killers throughout the franchise it's the coolest like death museum probably in the history of movie it's amazing especially if you like the franchise scream this set is outstanding i absolutely loved it well that's 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 good i you know that's cool that's the reaction i wanted to have but this may be one interesting area where you and i come down on different sides of the fence because for me that felt that fell really flat and it's not because it was poorly done i thought it was really well done i think in terms of the iconography of Scream and the props and everything, like Scream to me means a ghost face mask, a black cloak, and a blade. And that's really all they showed. They showed like six different cloaks, six different masks, six different mm-hmm. blades. Yeah, they had a bloody shirt from Billy and they they showed the knife that 
supposedly stabbed Kirby, but it was like, I'm not going to remember what a knife looks like. I'm not going right. to, I mean, I sort of remember Billy Loomis's shirt because it was like this white shirt with all these blood stains and these holes. But like, yeah, I think the thing about Scream is that it is kind of plain. It is sort of generic. Mm -hmm. Like Ghostface is not really, other than having a face of the very famous, what what is the the artist, the painter, the uh, is it Rembrandt or the whatever? Scream. Like, yeah, it's the yeah. Scream. So yeah, so obviously that is sort of derived from something like that. But other than that, it's not like I could tell the difference between any of the any of the kills or any of the outfits or any of the knives or any of the weapons like that to me felt a little bit flat just because, you know, it is intended in its inherent nature to be so generic. And so sure. I liked what they were trying to do. I appreciated that, but like, it just fell flat for me. Cause like when, when they're all looking through this museum and have these astonished looks on their face, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm seeing. I don't know what I'm looking at. Hmm. It didn't, it okay. didn't, hit me in the same way but I, okay. I don't know maybe that's just me no and that's that, that's that's interesting so i guess where where i'm coming you, so you're absolutely right in that it is a it's a very generic um outfit it's a very generic mask it's a very generic you know it's not an iconic weapon like a, a freddy krueger claw or anything like that right sure um what what i saw when i saw that theater was a collection, a collection yeah. of member of memorabilia, right? <laughs> Which is right uh, up your alley. Hey, well, our, right. both of our alleys, yeah, yeah for sure. But, but but that's what I saw, right? I saw it was like, oh my god, like they they went and they got the actual TV that fell on Stu. Oh my god, they went and they got the that actual, was cool. yeah, you know, the actual masks that the all all of these, uh, you know, six killers got, which was so th there was a so I asked you if you had figured it out, um. I, I figured out one of them and again, okay. spoiler loot. So, so uh, again, fast forward uh, to all the plot stuff at the end of the day, we've actually got three killers. We've got uh, room, one of the roommates father who happens to be a cop. Yep. And we've got his two, you know, son and daughter who, Oh, by the way, also happened to be the brother of Richie from the previous film. Um, so again, we, we didn't know, we didn't know any of this, um, but there were three killers. Um, I figured out the one and the way, the reason I figured it out was there was a dropped line early on. So that, that, that he's played by what Dylan, what's that guy's name? Dylan, it's Dermot Mulroney, I Derm think. Dermot Mulroney, yeah. Not Dylan um, McDermott, Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. <laughs> right. Very commonly so, confused. Right. Both so, cool. So, so he he makes he says the line something to the effect of, um, uh, "Where is it?" He said, "You know, fuck with my family," and you know, and it, it just it came out of left field for a cop. So this was after his daughter, quote unquote, died. She was one of the victims. Mm. Again, we and any and I don't know that that's when I start. And then when I saw this collection, I was like, well, there's no way that anybody could get that stuff. Yeah, because in theory, it was all it was all evidence, right? In so theory, I, yes. I, in in theory, it's it's evidence. Um, I I definitely did not put together that he had, uh, that that was his two kids. 
I definitely didn't put together that that Richie was his. You know, how could you know? Sure, but no, I, yeah. but I had I figured out that he was involved. So, well, that's um, why when they did the the sort of the fake teaser about Kirby being the the killer, that made, made sense. It made sense. I knew it wasn't true because it was too early. <laughs> we still had right. what twenty minutes left in the movie, and that was too early to unveil the killer. But it, you know that. Um, which by the way, we should, uh, we should take a second to talk about that because, you know, I had a list of things that I thought were good about this movie and a list of things were bad. And one of the things that I originally listed as being bad was Kirby as an FBI agent, because I thought that was fucking ridiculous. Like knowing her and her character from scream four, which was 11 years earlier. And all of a sudden she's an FBI agent. Like that was goofy as shit. There's nothing about that actress or that character that convinced me that she could be an FBI agent. So I was like, no, that sucks. That's stupid. But then I thought, well, it's actually kind of clever because as a filmmaker, if, if my goal is to continuously try to throw off the audience to who the real killer is, making her an FBI agent is a really good red herring because I am immediately thinking, well, she's got something to do with something because are you kidding me? Like this, this four foot eight blonde girl is going to be an FBI agent. Like I just don't see it now. Granted, you know, she ended up being genuinely an FBI agent and I still think that that's kind of crap, but it was fun in that it introduced more doubt and confusion into who the killer was, which is to me the still, still the thing that I'm the most looking forward to when I sit in front of a screen movie is like, I I love the whodunit part. That's my favorite part. So I I actually kind of turned a corner on that even before the movie was done uh, thinking that, you know what? That was pretty cool. It was, it was clever to make her the FBI agent because it made her an obvious suspect because it seemed just way too out of place. Which right. I don't know, maybe that's a cheat, but I, it worked for me, so I liked it. Yeah. So, so again, c- coming back to it, and we mentioned it, the, the death or the the non death that really bothered me was, um, what's his name? Chad. Chad is literally on his knees, getting stabbed multiple times by multiple ghost faces, and he doesn't die and it I, it just i that was the one where i was just like ah there's no way he's not dead yeah and there's a and couple sure of enough, those he, yeah 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 um that that was disappointing and i don't know like i part of me is happy that they kept that the core four if you will uh, together yes <laughs> that was yeah. that was yeah yeah they laid that on a little bit too thick but i liked it um I think it actually helped to keep those characters alive because those characters returning from Scream 5 actually created the continuity that I didn't realize I needed to be able to really get invested in this movie, right? Because they have continuously just recycled a lot of the quote-unquote good guys from movie to movie, right? With the exception of the... The original core three, which are, you know, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox and David Arquette. And, you know, they they sort of made effort to create this new core group of people. And I kind of like the fact that they all lived. I wish they would have done it better. I wish there was better execution behind it. But mm-hmm. the fact that those four, you know, kids are 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 coming from Scream 5 into Scream 6 and we'll go into Scream 7, I think that helps me 
uh, with the journey, you know, if we're if we're saying goodbye to Nev, which I don't know if we are, we obviously said goodbye to Dewey and, you know, <laughs> Courtney Cox's character was allegedly dead and then mysteriously not. So I, I guess I like that. Overall, I, I do like that they lived. I just wish they wouldn't have done such a terrible fake, which almost felt like a cheat. Yeah, no, I I would agree. Um, the and I think they refer to them in this movie as legacy characters. So legacy characters would be the, you know, um, Nev Campbell and yep. and um, Courtney, Courtney Cox. Cox. You know, so at this point, there's only uh, what Courtney Cox is the only. Well, Courtney Cox and and Just Nev Campbell two. are the are the only legacy characters still alive. Um, I, I suppose unless we count Stu, which well, we'll get to that. You know, I think we right. should get to that. We should, we should get to that. They continue um, to tease that in this movie. Right. And I, right. I think, yeah, I think we'll, yeah, let's, let's we'll come get back there. to that. Yeah. yeah. We'll get there. So, um, but, but what I will say is, so this new core four, which you're right, they just, just murder us over the head with it. Um, I, I didn't think that I would, care about these characters and i really do and and we we have not spoken a whole lot on this podcast about melissa barrera or jenna ortega and that is not because they're not awesome because far from it they are in my opinion the best part of this movie those two characters tara and sam they're the sisters that this jenna ortega in this movie is phenomenal she's funny She's a badass, and Sam uh, Melissa Barrera is the same way. I think they play off each other really, really well. Um, and and again, I came out of Scream Five kind of caring about them a little bit. Again, they were the main characters there too. And coming out of Scream Six, like I'm all in. I I at this point, the legacy characters in my mind, if they're going to bring back Nev Campbell or Courtney Cox, they sh- it should just be to kill them. Yes. Um 100%. I, I'm 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 and moving forward though. I this is Tara and Sam's franchise. They are the new final girls, which is kind of cool because you've got two of them, right? And well at this point you got four, but it's pretty rare that we've got multiple final girls in a franchise. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool. I agree. So you touched on a point that I really <clears throat> excuse me. I really wanted to get into, which is the the so we've got Sam who is Melissa Barrera and we've got uh her sister oh crap I forgot her name what's her name Tara 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 thank you we've got Sam who's Melissa Barrera and we have Tara who is Jenna Ortega I personally think that between the two of them Jenna Ortega is the better actress I think she's more dynamic and I think she would be a better f- fit for sam's role if we are to continue to believe and this is this is a thread that i definitely want to pick up on as well we're still doing the billy loomis thing we're still being sold on the fact that we're supposed to think that maybe melissa barrera because she was related to billy loomis is going to be the serial killer this is basically rise of skywalker at this point right this is Mm -hmm. ray palpatine so My my issue with this is that in hindsight, hindsight's 2020, right? Like I think it would have been great to flip-flop these 
these two actresses in these roles because I think Jenna Ortega has a better acting range in terms of she could sell me better on being somebody who might legitimately flip. I don't think that that Melissa Barrera and I think she's fine. Like I don't want to disrespect her or say that she's bad in this movie. I just don't know if she's selling me on the fact that she might flip. And that's what I feel like the movie is continuously trying to tell me that it still may happen, right? Like they don't really commit to it in this movie. They just sort of kind of drag it on a little bit. Like they started it in the last movie, but clearly in the next movie, assuming these actresses and these characters all come back, like they're going to revisit this whole Billy Loomis thing being her father. And I, I don't know, like, I don't see her really selling me on the fact, much like the fact that I I never believed for a second Daisy Ridley would actually become, you know, a, a Sith Lord in Rise of Skywalker. I'm not sure, like, it, it's, this is, it, it's not their fault, because I don't think, obviously, Jenna Ortega is, is be, she's blowing up right now, she's becoming a huge actor, she was in Wednesday, she's been in all kinds of stuff. And she's sort of known for being this really kind of kooky, off-putting character in, in a lot of what she does. But I I just kind of felt myself multiple times throughout the movie thinking, man, I wish they had swapped that. Like, I wish that they could have done that, which would have been really difficult because Jenna Ortega still looks like she's 12. And she's supposed right. to be the same age as not Melissa Barrera, but, but the other three or I'm sorry, the other two as right. part of the core of yeah. four, she's supposed to be the same age as, as Randy's niece and nephew. And that's really hard to buy for me because I just don't see it like it visually. It takes me out of it. Cause she looks so much younger. And when she has that, you know, kiss scene with, uh, <clears throat> with uh, what's his Chad, name? Chad, yeah. thank you. Like, yeah. it's just like, wait, what? Like it, it doesn't, it feels almost weird. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't match to me, but I don't know. I threw a lot at you right there, but what do you think about the actors in these specific roles? And what do you think they're going to do with this Billy Loomis thing that they keep teasing us with? Yeah. So I would agree with almost everything you said there. I, 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 um, I think Jenna Ortega is probably a better actress or more um, dynamic. At she's least. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think she's twelve years younger th than than uh, Melissa Barrera. Yeah. So and yeah, and so and so you know she's to have her play the older sister would be right. almost impossible. To your point, Jenna Ortega looks really, really young. Um, the the Billy Loomis thing, it bugged me in Scream Five, and it bugged me again here. Um, yeah, and that's and it's and it's not that I don't like um the billy character and i i, I agree with you i i don't think i don't th even if she's got these tendencies in her she's never the character has never shown anything outside of being a, a wholesome like a pure person right even even though she's got these impulses it's it's always portrayed in the vein of doing the you know doing the right thing right getting out of a situation killing it's you know kill or be killed kind of thing right it, it's not and in fact it is it's kind of bummed me out a little bit because what it's done is it's it's reframed billy loomis all like not 
as a good guy, but it's Billy Loomis in that original film. He was the bad guy. He was Ghostface, oh, right? For sure. There, yeah. there was no, there was no redeeming quality of Billy Loomis in the in that first film, and in in Scream Five and Scream Six has almost humanized him to the point where he's like now he's a good guy. You know what I mean? Cause he's popping up in the, in the, in the mirror, in the background, like helping the heroine save the day. Right. Which again, but is, he though? is painting I feel him- like, I feel like he's also trying to talk her into being like, Hey, just give in. Like, you know, he, he is, you know, you're a killer. Yes. He, but he is, but, but the way that like, especially in this movie, the way they frame it, like the, the one scene that I remember specifically where he showed up was when they walked into the theater kind of for the, for the, ult, for the last scene and the doors locked behind her and he goes, grab a knife. Don't trust anybody. You know, you're going to need it. And to me, that's him being a positive influence on her, even though he's telling her grab a knife. But it's but it's in the vein of grab a knife, protect yourself versus go be a killer. Does that does that make I don't know. Maybe I'm reading way too far into this. I I mean, that wasn't my interpretation, but I mean, you might you might be right. I I don't know. I didn't see that they tried to paint him as a hero, but I I don't know what they're doing with that. And I almost kind of wish they wouldn't have started because it's giving me real friday the 13th vibes like what which one was it like uh the final chapter or something like that the one where he can like keep seeing jason or whatever and it's like we're supposed to believe that her seeing visions of him is going to turn her into a killer or something and i i don't know i I don't buy i don't buy it at all i don't buy it at all i I don't either and i kind of wish they would have just dropped that but they have to kind of commit to it to some degree at this point so i i don't know what they're going to do with it but it's it's interesting. I, I I like Skeet Ulrich. I think it was great that they brought him back, but ultimately, I I don't know. It just kind of feels flat to me. Yeah. So uh, so again, at the, at, the, at the very end of the film, we we you know we get this reveal. It's it's the dad. It's the unknown daughter and son, or the unknown brother and sister of of um, Richie from the last film. Um. Again, there's another kind of fake death here that really bothered me. Um, Jenna Ortega puts a knife through the brother's throat and twists it, and he does not die from that. He pops up again. Again, there's a couple times we've already touched on it. Um, Let me ask you a question, though. Were you satisfied with the ending of this film? Like were you like the the way not only that they dispatched with the three killers, were you satisfied with the way they ended the film? Yeah, I didn't have any problems with it. I mean, it was it was a relatively climactic ending. I mean, with the big reveal of who the killers were, it was kind of like, okay, you know, I I sort of assumed that they would play it safe. It would be three new characters, new actors in this movie. I didn't expect them to do anything much more than that. And it was fine. Like, that's what they've done with pretty much everything since the second movie. I, I did like it. I thought the scene was well played out and and uh, appropriately intense at the end of the movie. And I will say that I think that the kills in this movie were definitely more gruesome than the previous one. I think they 
escalated that appropriately. There was a lot of twisting of the knife. There was like, I think that was it the 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 shrink that got like stabbed through the eye or something like that. Through and, the eye, yeah. And then the Jenna Ortega one where it was like through the throat and it was twisting and all that stuff. Like they definitely really amped up that as the 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 cringeworthy aspect of watching those scenes, which to your point, like makes it all the less credible when that person doesn't die right away. Cause I mean, if that happened to, I mean, I get a paper cut and I'm crying, you know, and getting band-aids, <laughs> right. Right? right? Like the knife is being twisted and, and these guys, and they're just kind of popping back up and yeah, I mean, it's a movie it's, it's goofy and it's kind of silly, but ultimately, yeah, I, I didn't hate the ending. I, I was disappointed when so many people ended up living you know, yeah. I thought that they were going to try to be a little bit more brave and, and kill some of the main characters. At least two of the core four should have died, in my opinion, but they didn't. And so should Gail. Gail should have died yep. as well. And I really, truly believe that they wanted to do that and they intended to do that. And they just sort of dropped a line at the end to to save her character for whatever reason. Maybe they have plans and Scream 7. I can only assume or hope so for doing something like that but um yeah i mean overall it was it was fine it didn't it didn't ruin the rest of the experience for me yeah um yeah i i would i would tend to agree with that i i do think um so at the very kind of the last scene um you've got uh you got melissa melissa barrera's character holding the the scream mask um which if i'm remembering the chronology correctly that was actually Billy's mask, so her father's mask, uh, because what again, what the killer was doing throughout this film was leaving them in descending order. He started yeah. with the mask from Scream 5, and then he went back to 4, 3, 2, and, and then the idea was uh, there was some kind of weird thing where they wanted her to put on the Billy's mask, and then they were going to frame her for all of the stuff or what have you. Um, and she, and so she has the mask at the, at the, at the end, she literally just like drops it in the street and walks away. I'm like, okay, so like evidence, whatever, like there's no cops around, you know, to collect evidence. They just let her walk, walk away. Um, we, we touched on it a little bit. Where the fuck is Stu is, where is Stu? Is he alive? Is he, he's gotta be alive, right? He has to. It's super interesting because yes. This is where we should probably get into talking about what we think the future movie is going to entail. And I think that they're kind of fucking with us to a little to an extent because they show the TV. They talked about Stu in that movie. I don't remember exactly what was said, but they alluded to him not even being dead. Right. And that is something that. I personally believe that we are going to see in Scream 7. I really do think that we're going to see that. I don't know if he's going to come back in the capacity that we think he will, but I I hesitate to say this, but I think Scream 7 is going to be a bit of a Rise of Skywalker kind of situation. I think it's going to be a lot of fan service. I think this is their opportunity to bring back Nev Campbell, bring back Stu, somehow show that he was involved. He, I, don't, I don't know. I I think they're all going to come back and then they're going to end the story for the legacy characters. If they're smart, that's what they'll try to do. Because if they want to make a Scream 8, if they want to make a Scream 9, 
then they're going to have to cut off this legacy thing because it's not yeah. working anymore. It just isn't. Nev Campbell didn't come back. And this was honestly, I mean, I'll, I'll spoil my, my, uh, end of podcast review. This is my second favorite screen movie probably of, of the entire group. And I think that, they have proven that the old formula that they have been trying to rehash over and over again isn't required. It just doesn't need to be there to make a good movie anymore. So it wouldn't surprise me if Scream 7 comes, they get Matthew Lillard back, he comes back and does something. Hopefully, God, God willing, it is creative and clever and worth our time because it could be or it might not be. And Nev Campbell comes back and that story comes to an end, but they find a way to continue whatever is is left for the others. If they want to do that, I, I don't know what they want to do. They could also just, as far as I'm concerned, they could kill them all and then just reboot it in five years. Like that would be acceptable too, because then we get into the conversation that you, <clears throat> when I was making my notes for this, I, I put... How many murderers are there similar to the Cobra Kai dojos in the Valley? Because that was your feedback on like, okay, all right. Yeah. But like Cobra Kai, like <laughs> the show is about this fierce competition of karate dojos in the Valley. Like, all right, seriously, do people really care that much about karate? And to, you know, from my perspective, it's like, okay, how many fucking people do we know? I, I don't know how many murderers you know. I don't know any, but apparently Sidney Pres Prescott knows like a thousand of them. A dozen, yeah. Everybody yeah. wants to fucking kill her. And I don't think she's a great actress, but I don't want to fucking kill her. Like that, it's, yeah. I just, I don't understand. Like that is getting a little bit obscene. I think they just need to cut it off. I think Scream 7 needs to be the last Scream movie as we know it. And to be honest, Jenna Ortega, like she's skyrocketing. She's not going to be a part yeah. of this series much longer. So let's let's take the opportunity to put the nail in the coffin. And hey, let's reboot it in a couple of years. Let's add a new cast. Let's have new rules for whatever a reboot of a reboot of a reboot is. And, and let's start all over again. I don't think they'll be brave enough to do that, but that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 at this point, I mean, Stu is the only, as, as far as I know, he's the only legacy character, again, with the exception of Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox. And at this point, I don't think it's ever going to be Courtney Cox, and I don't think it's ever going to be Nev Campbell. It's almost got to be Stu, right? Yeah. Like it, which, which again, it's like, so on one hand, you know what, he, you know, you know, as I'm thinking about it, you know, we, we, we talked earlier in the podcast about, oh my goodness, like, are we going to go the entire movie knowing, knowing who Ghostface is? It'd be really cool if we saw Ghostface in the next movie after the original kill and they tell us it's Stu right out of the gate. And then that's the, you know, that's the way that movie is different, right? With us knowing who it is. And them not knowing, you know, I don't know that that yeah. would be an interesting, well, that, that'd be an interesting way to go because, because well, again, it wouldn't surprise anybody that it was Stu, right? At the, if they went the entire movie and sure. they're like, Oh, Hey, it's Stu. And like, yeah, we all knew that. Right. Um, I don't know if that I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they go. It'd almost be more interesting if we were introduced to Stu at the beginning of the movie and everybody thought he was the killer throughout the movie. And then it turns out and he, he wasn't. wasn't. 
Yeah. Like, yeah. like maybe he, he has some legitimate regret. Like, Oh man, I, I, I know what I did. I fucked up. I'm so sorry. Like I'm here to help instead of to do all that other stuff. I mean, I don't know. That, that would be really tough to write and really tough to play, but I do think they will. Here's what I'll say. If they're going to leverage the whole Matthew Lillard stew angle, they need to do it in scream seven. They have to do that now. Yeah. They cannot wait till Scream 8 or you know, however many movies they end up doing. They've got to do it now. This is Scream 7 is their chance to wrap up everything that is associated with the legacy cast. And if they don't do it, shame on them because they have drugged this stuff on for so long. I, I got to be honest. I don't give a shit about Gail Weathers anymore. I don't give no. a shit about... Sydney Prescott. I I just I don't like I'm good with the new characters. I'm cool to continue those storylines. They mm -hmm. have to let go of the past. You know, the whole yeah. uh Kylo Ren thing. Let's let's forget the past, right? Like right. let's just move on. Kill it. Kill the past. Literally kill the fucking past. Literally kill the past. Yeah. Um okay, so so you 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 took one of my questions which is perfect. Um I was going to say rank the scream films and 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 this Ooh. is your number 2, huh? Behind uh, behind 96. Uh, damn it. Yes, that was going to be one of my questions to you too. But yes, I would say this is my number 2. If uh man, the rest of them are going to be kind of tough, but I would say Scream 1 is my number 1, Scream 6 is my number 2. Scream 5 and then four, and then two, and then three. If I had to, if I had to go in that order, Scream Three was easily my least favorite out of the entire group. I didn't okay. care for it. I thought it was the worst cinematography I've ever seen. Like it looked like it was shot on a video camera that you know, uh, you know, super, super eight or something. Like it, I just I hated everything about Scream Three. That was the first time where I felt like they really just sort of played us a little bit it just it, it didn't feel very genuine um but yeah so one six four five no eh, four and five or five and four i don't know that's four and five are so interchangeable to me yeah um and then and then three and then two or i'm sorry two and then three two is okay, okay but it wasn't it didn't live up to the hype I mean, as a movie, as a standalone movie in that group, it's probably not as bad as I'm placing it, but because it didn't live up to my expectations, it kind of sure. had the unfortunate duty of falling flat. But what about you? How do you how do you put these? Um, on? I know you're going to yeah, put one so, on number one. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, so my uh, yeah, I would go 96. Um, I would go six. So our, our top two were the same. Uh, yeah, nice. I, I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, I would actually then go and, and these next three are really, really tightly bunched. Um, I would actually go two, four, five, and then three. Um, now I, now I wouldn't, I've actually rewatched two, actually I've rewatched two, four and five within probably the last six or eight months. Um, I don't know that two would have been nearly as high on my list had I not rewatched it. Um, I think it actually holds up pretty well. And I think as a standalone film, um, it, it, again, if you, if you, if you step back from that film, not coming into it one year after the original, that was so groundbreaking. It's a, it, to me, it actually holds up pretty well. Okay. Um, uh, four, I really, really enjoyed. I know you didn't really care for four and five. 
I really enjoyed five as well. And then three, to your point, three is the one by far in my mind that is that is the least enjoyable. The, the, the problem that I have with three and, and actually now that I'm thinking about it, they, they, they do kind of the same thing here. Three kind of introduces this character out of nowhere that we didn't know existed, right? It's like this, this mm-hmm. stepbrother that, that nobody knew existed. And that's kind of what they've done here, right? It's like this, this, this family that we didn't know Richie had. I think the difference is in three, that was like the entire reason for the stakes of the movie, this, this yeah. Roman character, whereas this one, because we didn't really care about Richie. So we don't really care about his family. So the fact that they are related doesn't really matter as much. Yeah. Right. And, and, That's and so, point. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, so yeah. Um, so yeah, in my mind, three is far and away the worst of these, yes. you know, t- two, four and five to me are kind of interchangeable. Uh, but one and six, one is, one is clearly the best in my mind. Six is, is clearly number two, 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 four and five are interchangeable. And then three is far and away the worst. That's, that's cool. I mean, I, I like that because I was, I can't tell you how genuinely surprised I was walking out of this movie that I was like, man, this, this is good. This is, this is probably the only one in since 1996. I don't know. I like, I would look forward to rewatching this movie. Like Scream 5, I would rewatch, but like, it's not a priority for me. Same with Scream 4. Mm -hmm. Scream 3, wouldn't touch. Scream 2, I'm, I'm, actually a little bit more curious about now like maybe i didn't give it a fair shake so i do kind of want to rewatch that but haven't felt the need since 1997 i'm sure i've seen it mm-hmm. more than once but you know probably when it came out on dvd which was half well after 1997 i watched it but i mean probably have seen that one the least amount of times oh, i'm sorry no scream 3 i've definitely seen the least amount of times scream yeah. 2 is probably the second place behind that but I I just this is one that I would be like, you know what, I want to see it again. I want to kind of revisit and re-experience that whole thing. But the other ones are sort of just kind of there. Yeah. But so so I got I got one final question for you. Um and, and I'm not quite sure even how to articulate it. But so um Scream to me has kind of the original three films that came out you know, within the first 10 years or so of one another. And then it's got kind of these, these next films that are, I kind of put four five and six. We'll call that the modern era of scream, right? One, two, and three in my mind are are the older ones, four, five, and six. And again, even though four and five are 11 years apart, certainly five and six are the modern era. Okay. Um, How, how does the modern era of scream compare to, other franchises that have a modern era a la specifically Halloween. So we've gotten three new Halloween films, right. In, in relatively recent years. And again, I'm not suggesting like, you know, which ones do you like better, but like which, which franchise overall has done it better Halloween versus Mm. scream. Oh, that's an interesting question because they are similar yet very different in a handful of ways. So Scream Scream's interesting because it you know like you 
described it as sort of being separated between, you know, the original trilogy and then, you know, a- another trilogy, if you will. But there's connective tissue between them. Mm-hmm. However, there's not really <clears throat> a lot of connective tissue between Scream 4 and Scream 5. It's only the legacy characters. Right. Right. I mean, technically speaking, yeah, Hayden Panettiere's character of Kirby lives in Scream 4, which we didn't know. We all thought no, she we really was dead did, yeah. because she really yeah. should have been dead. It was sort of a, a an Easter egg to find out she was alive in 5, and then she pops up in Scream 6. So there, there are some issues with like the story, con- not issues, but like the continuity to make those two separate trilogies. It, it's it's kind of tough. Scream 5 and 6. I, here's what I think is I think we're going to get a Scream 7 with with predominantly the same cast as as 6 and some of six. Yep. 5. And we're going to see two different trilogies, but we're going to we're going to see scream four is sort of like the, 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 the outlier redheaded yeah. stepchild of that group. Mm-hmm. So what, Oh, so which one does it better? I don't know because you and I were both very high on Halloween and we both loved Halloween kills. And then we both kind of went a little bit flaccid on Halloween ends, but I think, Oh man, I think Halloween did a better job overall with the, casting and the character development and all of that and it wasn't as formulaic i don't think as scream and it's not it halloween doesn't have to adhere to the same rules like when you go see a scream movie you know there's going to be a crazy opening kill you know there's going to be a scene in the middle of the movie where somebody explains the rules like there are the there are a lot of tropes and cliches that scream has to hit and i don't feel like the halloween movies are uh, are are bound to that in the same way so it gives them a little bit more freedom and that can be good that can be bad but it they don't repeat a lot of the same beats i guess and scream is sort of like the austin powers of horror movies right and that mm-hmm. like all the austin powers movies repeat the same beats scream does a lot of that too they they mix it up enough to keep it interesting which is why there are six movies but I, I think Halloween did it better, if I'm being honest. And and honest, I, I don't know. Is that the only other real legitimate comparison? I mean, there's not really another one that sort of... There's not another horror franchise that has been able to successfully continue, especially not a slasher one, right? Like, there's no, no Freddy, yeah, we, there's no Jason. Like, those... I don't know if that's all because of rights or people just don't give a shit about them anymore, but it those don't exist anymore in, in the culture. No, they don't. Yeah, the the only other comparable Which franchise, it does. The only other, yeah, and it's not, and it's not in um, horror. The only other comparable franchise would be Star Wars, right? You've got the prequel trilogy, or, or sure. the OG trilogy, and then the prequel, and then the sequel trilogy. It's the only yeah. other one that 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 would be kind of comparable. Um, uh, yeah. And it's funny. I, I, I asked you this question and I don't even really, I don't even know where I land on this. Um, they, I, I think Halloween to me, um, is still more real and is still more, um, I don't know. It is still more based. It is still more horror 
than Scream is. And again, that's not to say that, like, especially some of the stuff that happens in this film because it's brutal. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's I, I'm, I'm kind well, of up in the air. I, yeah, I think it's fair to consider the fact that you know Jamie Lee Curtis as the primary protagonist for Halloween even though she wasn't in all of the movies, like she gave everything that she got or she gave mm-hmm. everything that she had for all the movies that she was in. And I don't know that I could say the same about Nev Campbell. I, I don't know that her presence in scream four or scream five was worth even being there. Like she could have not been in those movies and they would have been just as good. Like I I just, I don't think she was needed. Whereas you cannot make a Halloween movie without, I mean, you can't make a movie without Laurie Strode. They did it obviously a couple of times, but none of them were very good. But when they decided to bring her character back and make those direct sequels of the, the very first movie, like there's just something different about Jamie Lee Curtis. She is the original final girl. Like she is the one. And Nev Campbell is is part of that family, but doesn't have the same gravitas, in my opinion. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I I, I guess um, I think this movie's made one hundred and forty million dollars or something like that. So it's like yeah. I think it's That's the awesome. second. Yeah, it, it is. It's good. It, it, it and and here's the reality, right? Wherever it doesn't matter where you place it in the franchise, it, it's a good. It's an objectively good horror movie um i i think you you get a lot more out of this movie if you know the franchise but you can come into this movie and not even really know the franchise and i think still enjoy it as a standalone horror movie i i, I, I think that that's probably true i i would tend to agree i would say i i don't know where it ranks in terms of horror movies i would say as a scream movie it's it's yeah, it's great. towards the top. Yeah. I think it's great. Yes. It's it's my second favorite Scream movie. As a horror movie, I mean, it's tough to say. There are a lot of tropes that that are repeated and and nothing really super original about what they do here. But still, it, it keeps me interested in the series. It actually got me more interested in the series than any of the previous movies did. So I'll be really interested to see where this goes from here. I don't know when Scream 7 is going to be released or when they're targeting for that to be out. I don't, you know, they haven't really officially announced to my knowledge who's going to be in it. I have to think that Melissa Barrera and, and Jenna Ortega will both be back. Have to think Courtney Cox will be back because she very clearly did not die in this movie. And I have to think that they're going to bring Neva Campbell back too because you know, why not? Like, this is the last chance. I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at this next one if they're smart and, and just see what sticks and, and have this be the opportunity to, to, to create a point of demarcation between the legacy characters and the new ones. Otherwise this series can't continue. It just, there's no point in continuing to bring Courtney Cox back to get slapped every movie. Like it just doesn't make sense. Right. I rolled my eyes at that part. Like it was clever how they did it, but like, when she comes in and is all hardcore reporter, it's just like, oh, God, we've done this so many times. Like, stop. Just stop. Like, figure out something different to do or just get rid of her altogether. No, I, I, I would agree. I will I will go on record. And I and I might have said it when we talked about Scream 5. At this point, you're going to bring back those two characters. You got to kill them. Um, and yeah. we're there. So like 
It has yep. to be the end of the legacy character story, yep. whether it's killing them or writing them off in some other way. Doesn't matter. Just just get rid of them because yeah. I feel like they're close to becoming a liability. I don't think I like Courtney Cox. I think she's a good actress. I don't know that she added anything of of real weight to this movie other than being a legacy character. So just just ditch it. Just get rid of her. Yep. Let's move on. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, on that note, my friend, enjoy your spring break. Enjoy WrestleMania. Uh, I will. We'll get a chance to uh, to talk during the show. If not, we will definitely oh. talk about it afterwards. We absolutely <laughs> will, and uh, it will be a, a, a crying shame that I won't be able to be there with you in person for the second straight year, and and most likely a third year next year because spring breaks are stupid when they plan yeah, them. Yeah, and and WrestleMania is stupid. Like, why do they keep putting it at the very beginning of April? I don't know why. Don't know. They they yeah. could move it. They should move it. But until that day happens, uh, we will find another excuse to get together and uh, and hang out and, and maybe even do a podcast live in person. There you go. On that note, that's Mr. Pip. I'm Chewy, and this has been the 411 from 406. We'll talk to you soon, folks. Later. Adios. Adios.